Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word before us. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand what you have said as we devote this time to studying it. We pray that we may reap great benefits. May we be able to see much fruit in our lives as we look at this part of your word that was written so many thousand years ago. Lord, we pray that we may see how timeless your word is and that it still has power and grips us today and changes us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I think I learned fairly early on in my life that study brings blessing. I learned that at school, I was someone who liked to study. And then at university, I liked to study as well. And I saw that studying does actually bring blessing. And it can take many years for that study to accumulate and bring blessing. But if you do it gradually over time, it can bring great blessing. And I saw that when I finally finished my undergrad degree and I finished my honours degree and I'd worked really hard at that and done fairly well. And the government then granted me a tax-free scholarship to do my PhD. And if any of you know anything about income, you know how much it hurts to pay tax. And then probably few of you know the blessing of what it is to be on a tax-free income. They actually gave me for three years a tax-free income, which was a lovely thing. It's a lot of money that keeps flowing in because if you know what it is to earn money, you know what it is to pay tax and how much of your money actually goes into tax. But there are such things as tax-free incomes. They are around, uh, but they're only handed out to select a few people. And the government's incentive to encourage people to do research is to give away money without tax on it. And so all that study that I had done from probably uh, high school to work to get into the university and then all the hard study I'd done as an undergrad at university then paid off in that I got this uh, scholarship that gave me this tax-free income and also paid, of course, my fees for me in doing the, scholarship, uh, the, the doctorate as well. Study, hard work does pay off. And it pays off in many little ways, but it can also pay off in big ways. I remember being so grateful uh, for that scholarship when it finally arrived, or otherwise I would never have probably been able to do it. And this morning we're going to look at how study does indeed bring blessing. How study, hard study, can bring blessing. And we're going to look at that in Ezra chapter 7, verse 1 through to 10. We were looking at Ezra last year, and then we've taken a break. Uh, into a couple of different other books. And now we've finally returned to Ezra chapter 7 and we're going to look at how hard study brings great blessing. But how did we get here to Ezra? I should give a bit of a recap in case your brains are a bit fuzzy as to last time we are in Ezra. How did we get to this point? Well... I should give a bit of a recap of the whole of the Old Testament, really, to get you up to speed where Ezra fits in as well. So firstly, in the Old Testament, who do you have? You have Adam and Eve, or you have God. In the beginning, God uh, is there, and then he created Adam and Eve. And through Adam and Eve, you eventually get Abraham. And from Abraham, you get the 12 tribes of Israel. Those 12 tribes end up in Egypt, in slavery there. And then you go to the book of Exodus, where they're brought out of Egypt. They have an exodus from Egypt under the leadership of a guy called Moses. And then Moses eventually brings them up to the brink of the promised land. He doesn't get to take them in, but they go in under Joshua. They go into the promised land, these 12 tribes, and they eventually get some kings. They get King Saul and then King David. And then from King David, you get a whole bunch of kings and 
during the times of those kings, the Israelites sin again and again and again, and eventually God gets sick of their sin and decides to send them into exile. A lot of them get destroyed, but a whole bunch get sent into exile to Babylon. Then they're in Babylon, they're stuck in Babylon for 70 years, and then God graciously sends them back. He allows them to return to the promised land that they had lost because of their continued sin. And that was where the beginning of Ezra picks up, where Cyrus grants a whole bunch of people to return to the promised land. And they spend some time there, quite a bit of time, trying to build a temple. And so we looked at, last time we were in Ezra, the first six chapters of Ezra, and we saw them go through little fits and starts of trying to build this temple. They stop, they start, they stop, they start. And finally, last time we looked at Ezra together, we saw in chapter 6 that they finally uh, finished this temple. In verse 13, if you've got a black church Bible there, it's page 466. 466, we see in verse 13 of chapter 6, Then because of the decree King Darius had sent, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shethabozani and their associates carried it out with diligence. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, descendant of Ido. They finished, hooray, building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. They finally finished building that temple that they'd come back to do so many years earlier under uh, the leadership of Zerubbabel, who was sent uh, from uh, the Persian kingdom by Cyrus the king. And now we come to chapter 7, verse 1. And here we have a jump of about 60 years. Verse 1 says, After these things, okay, so after these things of working at building this temple, after these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, and then it proceeds to talk about Ezra. So we've got this new king on the throne, King Artaxerxes. We've heard about him before in the last uh, couple of chapters because uh, we had a little time jump. But King Artaxerxes is basically the grandson, well, not basically, he is the grandson of Darius, that guy back in verse 13, the decree of King Darius. So we've had another king between Darius, the son of Darius, who is Xerxes, and now the son of Xerxes is on the throne, and his name is Artaxerxes. And so that's where we pick up today with Artaxerxes here, letting someone enter the scene. And who is that person? Well, it's the person who the book is named after. It's taken six chapters for us to actually find out who Ezra is. And here he enters the stage. He enters onto the world scene here in Ezra chapter 7, verse 1. And so this morning I want us to look at Ezra and what we can learn from who Ezra is as he is introduced to us in the first ten verses of Ezra chapter 7. And the first thing we learn about Ezra is that he's greatly blessed. Ezra is greatly blessed. He's blessed in a couple of ways. What are those ways? Well, the first thing is he has an extraordinarily good heritage. His genealogy is a pretty good heritage. It's a pretty good genealogy to have. Uh, I'll, read, I'll read through it and I'll emphasize the last couple of people because they're the really big shots that we're interested in. It says uh, in verse 1 of chapter 7, After these things during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra son of Sarai, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Meroth, the son of Zariah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abushah, the son of Phinehas. Phinehas. Who's Phinehas? Phinehas is that guy in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, who 
did something that was quite um, quite extraordinary. Uh, there were some people that were having sexual relationships with people who were outside of Israel, and one guy in particular got a girl, brought that girl in front of all of Israel while they were all admitting that they'd sinned, brought her in front of everyone into his tent and proceeded to uh, sleep with her. Phineas, a Levite, picked up a spear, walked into the tent and drilled it into the ground between the two people. And God said, this guy will always be remembered. He will be honoured in my eyes and his descendants for what he has done because he has been so ashamed of what that person was doing with this woman that he ended the matter there and then, uh, right there. So uh, Phineas is a good person to be descended from. And Eliezer is also a big, bit of a big shot. And of course, you all know who Aaron is. Aaron is, of course, the first priest. He is the one who Moses institutes the priesthood with. And so Ezra can trace his lineage right back to Aaron which means that Ezra is very much qualified to be a priest. He's very much an Israelite, but he's also one of those uh, parts of Israel that are favoured by God as his teachers, his people who offer sacrifices, the intercessors between sinful people and God. So Ezra has a good heritage there. He is greatly blessed by just where he's shown up uh, on the world scene, by who his parents are and who his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather is as well. So he's greatly blessed in his good heritage, his good family tree, and uh, some of you probably know what it is to have a good family tree, to know who you're descended from. The second thing is that Ezra has great favour from a pagan king. We read that in verse 6. So after we get his genealogy, it says, This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked. This is Artaxerxes, a foreign king. He's not a Jew. He's a Persian. And here we have him giving Ezra everything he asks. Now that's a, a wonderful thing to have anyone give you everything you ask for. But particularly if they're a king and they have great power, they have great wealth, uh, who else do you want to be around if they're going to give you everything you ask other than the king? And so Ezra is greatly blessed here that he has the favor of a pagan king upon him. Also, Ezra has support people. When he comes back to Jerusalem, which he's going to do, he's going to come back with a whole bunch of people. Uh, he's, got, he's not coming alone. He is coming with a bunch of people. We read that in verse 7. Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, also came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. He has a backup crew that are there with him as well. And that's a great blessing. It's not nice to be alone. And it's not nice to be alone when you're trying to do something that is quite difficult. And he's going to come and try and bring reform into the Israelite community that is there. And it's nice that he has people who want to go along with him and support him. And particularly Levites, people who can help him in that job. And singers and gatekeepers and temple servants, people who are particularly focused on ministry for the Lord. These people are coming with Ezra. And so he's not sent alone. He's not like Jeremiah who... The poor bloke, he's always um, out on his own. I really feel sorry for Jeremiah. It's a long book to chew through, Jeremiah, but it's one of those books where you just see how a faithful prophet can be so badly treated but continue to be faithful. Uh, Ezra, he's not alone. He's got a whole bunch of people that are interested in ministry and helping him and going with him. So he has the blessing of support people, and he also has the blessing of safe travel. 
we see him uh, travel to Jerusalem in verse 8. It says, Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. He made it to Jerusalem. Now, you might think, oh, of course, that's no big deal. But, you know, you hop on a plane if you want to get to Jerusalem, and it's probably, you might worry a bit about the plane going down, uh, but that's about the least of, that's the most of your concerns in actually getting there. Travel in this day was not so easy. And this was a long trip that he was going on. And it was at a time when there were lots of bandits on the road and the king's highways were quite dangerous places to be on, particularly if you're moving with a lot of money, which uh, Ezra was. It was quite a dangerous trip for him to be on. And there was uh, revolutions going on in Egypt, which also, whenever there's times of war, that also makes it difficult to go travelling. If there was a major war between us and another country, it would make getting a plane and travelling to different parts of the world more difficult and more dangerous. You don't know who, particularly if you catch a ship somewhere uh, during like World War II, uh, you may never make it to the place that you were going because a submarine would torpedo you out of the water. It is very dangerous during times of war. And that's what's going on during the time that Ezra wants to get on his bike and go to Jerusalem. It's a very dangerous thing for him to be doing. But we see then that he makes it there. And this is a great blessing. He has the blessing of safe travel. And then the last thing that we also see, and pretty much the reason he has everything else, is he has the hand of God on him. We see this in verse 6. It says, This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked for the hand of The Lord his God was on him. And then down in verse 9, He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the fifth month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. He had God's gracious hand on him, which is an untold blessing. That is a fabulous blessing that we have. And Ezra had that blessing. So Ezra is certainly greatly blessed. He's got a whole bunch of things about him that you just go... He's a guy that definitely is in God's favour and God loves him greatly. The question is, why? Why is Ezra such a favoured person? Why is Ezra so greatly blessed? Is there any reason or is he just simply a lucky fellow? Is there a reason? Well, in verse 10, there's a little word at the beginning which tells us why Uh, Ezra is greatly blessed. It tells us that there's a reason for Ezra's blessing, all that has come before. It says in verse 10, for, for. It's a word that can also be translated because. Because. Why, Why has all this happened to Ezra? Because of something. There is a reason. It's not simply that he's been lucky. There is something about Ezra that has caused all these things to happen. What is that? Why is that little word for there? What is it telling us is the reason for all Ezra's blessings? Well, it's because he's devoted himself to something. It says in verse 10, For Ezra had devoted himself. He'd set himself apart for something. When uh, Literally, you could translate this as uh, he had uh, established in his heart. It mentions the word heart, the Hebrew word for heart here. He'd established, he'd fixed in his heart to do something. And that is the reason Ezra is greatly blessed. He'd established in his heart, he devoted himself to doing something that then all this blessing came to him because he did that thing. 
Now, what is that? Well, that's my second main point this morning. Ezra is greatly blessed because he studied, did, and taught the law. Ezra is greatly blessed because he studied, did, and taught the law. He devoted himself to three things. First thing, in verse 10, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord. He devoted himself to studying God's law. And we see that Ezra knew a lot about the law. He had studied the law back in verse 6. It said in verse 6, this Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. He was well versed in the law of Moses. Now, what does well versed mean? Well, you could literally translate this as quick. He was someone who had quickness of grasp of the law, ease of movement. It's kind of one of those people that when you ask them about particular laws, or you go to a really expensive lawyer, they know exactly where in the law you need to look. What laws you've broken, they know straight away. They're quick when it comes to the law. Or if someone that you know who knows the Bible fairly well, you ask them a question, they know the answer. They're quick because they've studied hard. That quickness that Ezra had is because he's a studier of the word. It takes hard work to be quick about something. Any knowledge that you want to acquire, it takes hard work. If you've ever been through secondary high school, through high school and then through university, you know that knowledge about things and being quick with your answers in a test comes with hard work, hard study. And Ezra had done that hard study. He had studied very hard, it says in verse 10, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study. The other way we could translate the word study is to seek out, investigate, inquire. He was always inquiring what he should be thinking about particular laws as he's read it. He read with an inquiring mind. He was investigating the word of God. He studied the word of God. So that's the first thing that Ezra had devoted himself to, which is the reason why he was greatly blessed. It was the study of the word. What else did he do? What else did he devote himself to? It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord. He had observed the law of the Lord. He devoted himself to observing it. Now, what does it mean to observe? Well, we think, oh, observe means uh, to see something. If I observe someone doing it, it means I observe that they did that thing. I watched them. But uh, we can also mean observe as in do something. And literally, in the Hebrew, this is what that word is. It's to do. He did the law. He devoted himself not just to study the law, but actually to doing the law. And that's a big thing to note. Because many people can study something a lot, but it makes no impact upon what they do. It doesn't actually benefit them. They don't actually put into practice what they've studied. And this is something that we should be thinking about when we study anything. What is it going to benefit me if I study, if I spend time studying this thing, if I study this book or I, I go to university and study for this particular degree? What benefit will it be? How will it change my life? Will I be able to do anything with all that study? And Ezra was able to do something with that study. He put into practice those laws that quickness that he had of, of the law, he then put it into practice. He actually did the law. And then what else? There's a third thing that he did. He devoted himself to, which gives the blessing. It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to 
teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. He had devoted himself to study, he had devoted himself to doing the law, but he had also devoted himself to teaching the law as well. He was someone who wanted to teach others what the law said and then how they should be living their lives so that the laws are fulfilled. He was someone who taught the Israelites. He devoted himself to these three things then, study, doing, and then teaching others. And because of that, the blessing of God comes upon him. And this fits with the rest of Scripture, that when you study the law and when you do the law, God's blessing comes upon you. Even from the law itself, from Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. If you, fully obey, if you carefully follow all his commands... He will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings, and there's a whole bunch of them if you go to chapter 28 of, of Deuteronomy. It's one of those chapters that's quite long. Uh, there's all these blessings there will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. If you obey him, if you learn his commands and obey them, these blessings will come upon you. And then in Psalm 19, another example of God's study of God's word and doing God's word actually blesses us. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. What revives your soul? The law of the Lord. It is something that gives great blessing to you. It revives your soul. Who doesn't want to have their soul revived? We should all want our souls revived. And how do we get the reviving of our soul? Through the law of the Lord. And then in the New Testament, also teaches that we should obey the laws of God to experience blessing. Luke 11, Jesus himself says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God Hear the word of God, so that's part of studying, and obey it. Blessed are those people who hear the word of God and obey it. If you want blessing from God, you need to hear God's word and obey it, Jesus says. And John, at the end of the book of the, the, the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, what does he say? Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. You want blessing? Well, you need to keep the words of the prophecy in this book. It's all through scripture. If you want blessing from God, you need to know the word of God and you need to do the word of God. So the question is, do you want to be greatly blessed like Ezra? Do you want to be blessed like he is? And that's my third main point this morning. You can be greatly blessed. You can be greatly blessed. You can have similar things to what Ezra had. You can have a good heritage. Ezra had an astoundingly good heritage there. But you can have a good heritage. Who can you be related to if you study the word and are blessed by God? You can be related to Jesus and God himself. Who can be your father? You can have had the most terrible father ever on this planet. But you can have the greatest father, not just on this planet, but in all the universe. You can be related to God himself. You can call God your father if you listen to his word and do his word, you can have the most fantastic heritage that anyone can have. I mean, Aaron sounds like a good person to have as your father because he was the first high priest. But Aaron did some things that weren't always that great. Uh, he sinned. But you can have a sinless father as your father if you want through Jesus Christ. If you believe in him, you can be connected to the father and you can be connected to Jesus as well. He's your older brother. You have the heavenly father and then you have a brother. You have a wonderful heritage if you listen to the word and do what it says. You can also have favour from people outside the kingdom. 
You know, Artaxerxes was very kind to Ezra. You too can have that. You can have people who are outside the kingdom of Christianity be nice to you. God is not just in control of people who are inside the kingdom. He's in control of all people. And it's amazing how God uses non-Christians to bless you in your life. He can do that. Now, sometimes people outside the kingdom can be quite hostile and, and harsh to you, particularly because you are inside the kingdom. But God can use people outside the kingdom to bless you, and you can have that. You can also have support from people inside the kingdom. Just as Ezra was able to take a whole bunch of ministry people with him, you can also, if you're a Christian, have lots of support people around you. Local churches are all around the place that you can join and be a part of and enjoy blessing with them. And you can also have the hand of God working for you for all things to be your good. Just as Ezra had the hand of God upon him, you can have God's hand upon you as well. So you can be greatly blessed just as Ezra was greatly blessed, but even further than Ezra was greatly blessed. You can have God himself as your father. You can have so much blessing. So how can you be greatly blessed like Ezra was? Well, my fourth main point then is you can be greatly blessed if you study, do, and teach the word of God. The same principles still apply today that applied to Ezra. You can be greatly blessed if you study, do, and teach the word of God. Because nothing good will ultimately come to you unless you are someone who loves God. You follow what the Bible says and loves God. We love to quote that verse, all things work for the good of people. What's the next part? All things work for the good of those who love God. You've got to be a lover of God if you want all things to work for your good. Because if you're not a lover of God, all things are not working for your good. And so you need to be a lover of God. You need to be someone who looks into the word because there is the way of salvation. There is the source of all things that are good. 1 Peter 1 says about Christians, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. How do you get born again? It's through the word of God, 1 Peter says. You need to know the word of God if you are to be saved. The word of God is central. So, first thing you must do is then be devoted to studying the Word of God, just like Ezra was devoted to it. Now, study sounds like hard work, and it is. But few have knowledge of anything without hard study. And so you need to study the Word if you are to be greatly blessed. And that means you need to read it on your own. You need to get inside it, open it up. Don't sleep with it under your pillow and think that you can get it through osmosis. No, open the book up and start to read. And then read it with others. Read it with others in a number of different ways. Read it with others by coming along to church and hearing it explained and then conversing with others about it. Read it with others by studying it with them. One-to-one or in Bible study groups, you can read the Bible together with others and study it that way. I was never one much for group study at university. I was rather just study on my own because I found group study meant you take coffee breaks more frequently and you talk about things that are other than what you're meant to be studying. And so I just preferred to study on my own. But... Uh, some people you know, really thrive on group study, and it can be done if it's done properly. It can be done well. And so we encourage Christians to study the Bible with others. But you can study the Bible with others without actually talking with someone physically either. You can also study the Bible with others by reading things about the Bible, reading books 
and other tools that have been written by people uh, to help us understand the Bible. We are so privileged in our day and age at the sheer number of tools we have available to us, the sheer number of books available to us. Uh, there's so many books even on the internet that are just free of charge. They're so old, they're out of copyright, but they're still valuable. We have so many things available to us, but you must not just have them available to you, you must actually use them. Get the books and open them up and read what they have to say about God's Word. Read the books. Study God's Word in conjunction with others. And listen to sermons uh, from other people. You don't just have to come to church on Sundays to hear a sermon now. You can actually listen to sermons all through the week. There's MP3s you can download if you want some recommendations of who you can be listening to. I'm more than happy to help you out. And if you want to learn how to do that, I'm happy to help you out as well. But listen to sermons about the Word. That's part of studying God's Word. You need to do that. If you want the blessing of God's word, you need to know God's word. But then you don't just need to know God's word. What else did Ezra do? He did God's word. If you want blessing from God, you must be a doer of the word, not simply a hearer of the word. You must do what it says. Because remember what I said before, all things work for the good of those who love him. You must love God. That means you must actually do something. It's not good enough to read that you must love God in the Bible and then not do it. You must love him. You must do what it says. You must obey the word. Because there's nothing worse than someone who's an expert on the Bible but never actually does anything that the Bible says. Such study is useless. It counts for nothing doesn't matter whether you have multiple degrees through university, how many times you've read the Bible. If you don't actually do the word, well, then it's all wasted. In fact, it actually counts further against you on the Day of Judgment that you know so much more about the word and you haven't actually done it. You need to do the word. And what's the most important thing you should do? Well, that you should repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died for you. That's the command, that is the command that you must do first and foremost. You must say you're sorry to God for what you've done and believe that Jesus Christ died for you. The Bible commands it. And so you must do it. You mustn't just listen to the command to repent and believe. You must do the command to repent and believe. And so if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I encourage you, hear what the word says to you now. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died for you. Because if you don't, then you'll never be blessed by God. You will not have these blessings. You are not related to God the Father. In fact, you're a child of Satan, Jesus says. You need to repent of your sins. Acknowledge you're a sinner and trust that Jesus Christ died for you. Don't just hear me say it and think that that's good enough. You need to do it if you want to be greatly blessed. And then the other thing that Ezra did and that we should be doing as well if we want great blessing, is teach the word. You should be devoted to teaching the word. Now, I recognize that not all of us are gifted to teach in the sense that Ezra was gifted to teach. He had a quickness of, uh, of thought with, when it came to the Bible. He was quick with the word. And we're not all to be teachers. The Bible does say not all of us are gifted to be teachers. Some people have that gift and some people don't. That means that some people are qualified to be elders and some are not. But we are all called to teach others about God in our own way, in what God has given us. We're to use it. And we can all teach others. We can all tell others about Jesus Christ to some extent and what we have learned from him. We can teach 
non-Christians. We should all be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, 1 Peter 3 says. We should be ready to give an answer. And that's everyone. That's not just the elders of the church. Everybody should be able to say the gospel to others. They should be able to tell others, repent and believe. Teach what the word says, that it teaches you to repent of your sin, that you're a sinner, that you're outside of God's kingdom, outside of God's blessing, and you need to repent and believe. Everyone in this room can do that. Even children can do that. Everyone should be teaching God's word. And you can also teach other Christians as well. You can rebuke others. You can say, what you're doing is not right. It's very easy. You just pick up the word, you find the passage, because you've studied it, and you just read it out to them. And that's a form of teaching. I mean, that's what I do for most, uh, for a good part of the, um, my time with others and on Sundays as well. I'm reading the word out to you again and again. I'm not making the material up myself. It's not that hard then to do it, is it? Because all you've got to do is read it out and say, this is what it says. And if they know English, well, then they will comprehend what you're saying. Now, they won't do what you're saying, but you can at least teach them, make an attempt at teaching them. And you should be doing that if you're a Christian. We can all be like Ezra. We can be people who study the word, observe the word, or do the word, and then teach its decrees and laws to others. And if you do that, you are blessed. I mean, you might think, oh, how can I be blessed through teaching the word? Well, it's funny, when you want to learn something, what is the best thing you should do? You should teach it. Because when you teach something to someone, you've really got to know your stuff. And it's funny how Christians who have never shared the gospel with someone, when they try to do so, they get a bit fuzzy on it, and they're sort of not really sure what it is to be a Christian. But ones who have taught the Bible again and again, taught non-Christians what it is to be a Christian, they know it so well. When you teach something, you learn it really well. And so I encourage you to be a person, a Christian, who is always looking for teaching opportunities because you know of the blessing it gives you. The blessing that God is pleased with you, but also the blessing that it just helps you study the word better. It helps you know the word better. We should seize opportunities to teach the word and not be fearful of them, which is so often the case instead. So are you someone who wants the blessing that Ezra had? Are you someone who wants favour of people outside the kingdom, support from others, God's hand of blessing, and a good heritage, the most fabulous heritage you can have of being related to God the Father? Do you want that? Well then, roll up your sleeves and start to study. Are you someone who is devoted to studying God's word like Ezra did? Are you someone who at least reads the Bible each day, opens it up to see what it says, you should be studying it. Because each day you need to do it because if you recognize anything, anything that you study over time starts to go out. So it doesn't matter if you read the Bible a few years ago, it starts to drift. Just like I'm starting to forget names of bones and stuff and to do with podiatry and different medicines and stuff. Someone will ask me something to do with podiatry and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been a few years. Um, let me think for a second. I've, it's starting to go because I'm not reminding myself of it. <laughs> You need to do that as a Christian. You should be reading the Bible every day. I can't say that there's a command in there, but if there's a command in the Bible that comes close to it, it would be the one that you devote yourself to study. If you establish in your heart to study something, then you're going to be doing it on a regular basis. And there's no better way to do that than by day by day. Are you someone who is devoted to studying God's Word? And are you someone who is devoted to obeying God's Word, to doing what it says? 
Right? You're someone who just reads the Bible each day and is quite pleased that you do that every day, but you never actually put into practice what you read there. Are you someone who is devoted to doing God's word? And are you someone who is devoted to teaching God's word? To making sure that you're not just teaching yourself all the time and being selfish, but you're actually sharing with others what you've learned. You want great blessing from God? You're upset that somehow God hasn't blessed you lately? Well, how do you go against this test of those three things that Ezra was doing? Are you someone who is devoted to the word of God as much as you could be? Are you devoted to studying it? Are you devoted to doing it? Are you devoted to teaching it? Let's speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful example we have of Ezra as someone who was greatly blessed by you because he was someone who studied your word, who did your word, who taught your word. Lord, we pray that you may give us much of your grace so that we are like Ezra. We're people who are greatly blessed because we are people who study your word, who do your word, and to teach your word. Lord, we need your help if we are to do this. We pray that your word may be central in our lives so that we know more about you and are able to live our lives more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. We pray for any non-Christians who are in this room this morning. We pray that they may recognize how they are not blessed by you. And we pray that they may seek your blessing by being people who pick your word up and finding in there the source of salvation, finding in there your message about Jesus Christ, your son, and him crucified. And we pray that you may bring them to repentance and faith soon. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.